Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. In our home today is my long-term friend, um, Zach Tucker. Welcome to the podcast, Zach. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Zach is 26, is going to share his story as a gay Latter-day Saint. I became aware of Zach through my son, Matt. Matt um, went to Cottonwood High School, but lost the student body election and kind of then um, got connected with other high schools along the Wasatch Front. And um, in the course of that, made friends with Zach Tucker and his friend group. And I got to know Zach um, through my friend, through my son and friend, Matt. Um, and then Zach is 26. He graduated from the University of Utah with a bachelor's in accounting, um, is currently finishing up an MBA in the University of uh, Minnesota, lives in Minneapolis, um, is connected with American Airlines, may end up working there full time, may not. Maybe we won't put that on the podcast <laughs> in case that doesn't work out. Um, served a mission in Russia, um, graduated from Highland High School. That's the school I graduated in. Zach graduated in 2015. I graduated in 1979. So we're like four generations apart. Go Rams. Go Rams. Um, I know your wonderful mom, Pam. Pam, if you're listening, shout out to you for the wonderful mom and human you are. You have um, three older siblings. And um, Zach came out a couple of years ago. Um, and I just saw him at a wedding, Charles and Danae's wedding. And Asked him if he'd be willing to be on the podcast to share his story. Um, Zach is no longer participating in the church. He is, his path is to find a husband and be married. And we do podcasts like this just to honor individual people's stories. And Zach is a good man, deserves our love and support as he finds his way in life and navigates um, being LDS and being gay. Is that okay for an introduction? That's fantastic. And we said a prayer ahead of time. I just hope this podcast, Zach's been on this road for a while. He's got a great heart, a really mature perspective at this, that it'll be helpful for you if you're closeted or uncloseted and younger. Um, if you've got a family member that's out, Zach will talk about a terrific family. Um, that's he, all he's felt as we visited beforehand is love and support. So that may help you if you've got a sibling that's out and you're wondering how to support them your local leader, or just somebody who wants to be a better support of, of queer Latter-day Saints, I think Zach's um, insights will help you. So with Zach, with that, Zach, we will get you talking. Great. Let's get to it. So talk about, usually where we start is kind of like when you recognized you may not be straight. So you can start there. You can start wherever you want. Yeah, it's a valid question. And my answer to that has probably changed several <laughs> times. I've been asked it several times. Um, I mean, yeah, I was born and raised here in Salt Lake City, grew up in the church. And I think, you know, in the church, we're so often taught that marriage is between a man and a woman. And as such, that was kind of my mindset growing up that there was no other option. You just, you, you do find a woman that you love and marry and eventually end up with them. So I don't even think I considered that being gay was a possibility for so many years. Um, I think maybe early junior high, um, I started to realize I had an attraction to men, but figured, oh, that'll go away, or maybe it's just a phase of life. Um, I'll still end up with a woman, still end up in the church and, and do the, the things that I'm supposed to do. Um, and then, yeah, I think early high school, 
um, started to realize more and more that it wasn't something that was going to go away, but was something that I could kind of brush, push under the rug for, for the time being. I knew I wanted to serve a mission and again, continue to do the things that I knew was expected of me, both from the church and my family and my friends. Um, a very solid friend group, which I know we'll, we'll discuss. Um, but they kind of kept me on that path as well. Um, and then, yeah, it wasn't till, I mean, I, yeah, like you mentioned, I served a mission in Russia, um, Southwest Russia and the Rostov Nadani mission had a fantastic experience and I got home in 2017 and, um, kind of within the year or so after that, um, again, that attraction to, to men was just something that wasn't going to go away. And I think I realized then that I couldn't be one foot in the church and one foot out. And that's when I kind of gradually started pulling myself away and started to come out to my dearest and nearest female friends, first and foremost, um, three or four of them. And then it took even several years after that before I was able to officially come out to my family and friends back in 2021. Uh, talk about, um, some of my guests are in a real tough emotional health standpoint in junior high or high school or on their mission, sort of knowing this, their sexuality. Did you go through that road or did that um, largely bypass you? I think back then it kind of did bypass me. And I think I'm lucky. For that, um, just because I don't know, in high school, I was so busy having the time of my life with my great friends that it just wasn't a concern. I wasn't super concerned about dating or or anything like that. And then on my mission, I just figured, you know, even if you're straight, gay, bisexual, whatever you may be on a mission, you're not thinking about those things for those two years. So I'm not gonna act like it was easy, but everyone's in that boat on a mission, no matter what your sexual orientation. So I think the, the mental toll, um, kind of came into effect later on. Um, I think that's partially because I hadn't fully accepted who I was in middle school and high school. I subconsciously maybe knew it was something I would need to deal with later on. So I respect the people who know that about themselves earlier on and i totally recognize where that would become a challenge um whereas for me i just it was questionable as to what my sexuality was back then so i just didn't put too much focus on it if that makes sense and some of my guests sort of talk about post-mission is when they need to deal with the reality of this it's time to eat date and get on to the next chapter of your life. And you, and, um, a, a question in there is, did you date women when you came home from your mission? And, and did that lead you to conclude that I'm going to try dating men because that's not working or did that work to some extent? I you want to share with our listeners just more about that journey. For sure. Um, yeah, I dated women in high school and after my mission for a little bit. Um, and it worked to a certain extent. I've always had a very close relationship with my female friends. And so it's always been probably easier for me to connect with females than it is with males, even though I, I have great friends of, of both genders. Um, but I just, I think it just didn't 
feel something just felt like it was missing. I I had that friendship chemistry or connection, um, but there just wasn't the full piece there. Um, something was lacking. Something was missing. And I think it was when I first started dating men that it felt like, oh, this is what was missing. This feels right. This is what I want. This is the the energy, the chemistry that I need. And um, that said, I probably could have kept dating women and kept brushing this under, pushing this under the rug. Like it wasn't um, something that I. I don't know. I, I feel like it, it could have, I could have done it, but I wouldn't have been fully happy or satisfied. And I would have always had that nagging in the back of my head of, you know, something's missing. What is it? What's causing this? Um, but I'm, I'm very glad and grateful that I didn't allow relationships with women to get super committed or to the point of causing a lot of emotional damage. Because I've seen that happen um, with relationships when someone comes out later on in life. And I'm glad that I didn't put anyone through that. And I've actually maintained friendships with some of the women that I've dated. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. You're doing a good job of, asked, of sharing your story, Zach. Thank you. Um, talk about, these are just tender topics, listeners, but talk about your decision to separate yourself from the church. Do you think that was mostly because your sexual orientation and just not having sort of a path forward if you're going to date men or was it broader than that? And how difficult was that to sort of gradually separate yourself from the church? Because I've grown to have more empathy for people that separate themselves from the church is because it's been your whole life and it's been your dream and it's complex. Any thoughts you'd like to share? That's like four questions in there. Sure. No, I... I think my sexuality was probably the main driver um, when I was separating from the church, which probably started in 2018. I was in a YSA ward. I was a Sunday school teacher. I had a calling that I asked for. I, because post-mission, I wanted, I wanted to be fully involved. I was all in. Um, but as I continued to, not continue to, but as I started to date men and realized that there were genuine feelings there for other men and that that was going to be the path for me my personality and the way that I'm built I'm a very loyal person to my family to my friends to to anything that I align with even to my sports teams to a fault um and so I just couldn't do the half in half out I couldn't be out on a Saturday night with a guy and then on Sunday morning go teach Sunday school and it just and I did that a couple times and it was, I mean, not something I'm proud of, but it just um, didn't feel right. And so I think I came to that conclusion of, you know, I can't keep doing this. this is, I've been living two lives. And I think it was kind of the first step for me in order to be able to come out two or three years after that. Initially, I had to separate myself from the church, I think. And I don't know why that was my first step. It might be different for other people. But I think that was my first um, kind of internal acknowledgement of who I am. Whereas prior to that, I think I was still brushing it under the rug and thought I can, I can do this. I can still hold a calling and, and do all the things, keep my covenants. Um, 
and maybe this will go away. There's attraction, but it didn't. And as soon as I acknowledged that, um, I think step one was gradually stepping out of the church. It's a good answer. I, you know, I don't know you as well as obviously your family or your close friends, but I've always sensed your commitment to things that you do. I remember, I think I attended your mission farewell with yeah. your other friends and just since you were all in and in Russia, that's a whole nother podcast to spend two years learning that language, being in that cold land. That's incredibly, um, thank you for your service there and your courage to serve and the work you're doing with your career. And, and you seem like an all in guy and the, the complexity of sort of navigating this road. I just honor your journey. Um, Talk, I've got a few questions on my mind. Do you have stuff you'd just like to share, though, um, that comes to your mind before I ask questions? Well, just as you were saying that, I naturally thought about my mission. I don't know if, if that's one of your questions. Sure, but sure. This is your time, Zach. No, I, I just wanted to say that I, I absolutely loved my mission. And if I could turn back time and go back to 2015 when I left, I would still go. Um, and Russia is not an easy place to serve a mission, but... I absolutely loved Russia and I love the people that I served with and served. Um, love the Russian language. I've been back to Russia three times since my mission. I got to take my mom and brother to cool. my mission. Um, went to a few of the branches there and there's just so much love and Russia is such a, a special place to me and um, everything going on there currently still affects me just because of my attachment to that area of the world. Um, and it is complex with, you know, being gay because that's a whole nother story, like you said, <laughs> with Russia and kind of how they treat that um, there far different from how it is treated here in the States. Um, but yeah, I, I, I will never say anything bad about my mission or Russia. I had, a fantastic time. I served in leadership positions on my mission um, and just absolutely loved it. Like I alluded to earlier, I was, I was all in. I was fully obedient, was fully committed to the Russian language and the Russian people. Um, and I just absolutely love my mission and think it's really helped me to be successful in both my education and my career up to this point. That's great. Thank you for your service. Of course. Um, and um, one of the things I generally invite younger queer people that aren't sure of their path after their mission is don't, you may not, a mission may not be right for you, but a mission may give you added spiritual foundation, other lifelong lessons, and you may bless a lot of people along the way, even if you're not sure how your future works out post-mission. And I think what you said, you may not want to take your story and say, make it your story. You're just saying, I think everything you know now, even though you're no longer in the church, you still would serve a mission. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that's what you said. Yes. Yeah, it is. And I, my dad, who has not been in the church for basically my whole life, would say the same thing as well. He served a mission in Thailand. Um, and I just think that there's so much good that comes out of it. I, it isn't for everyone by any means, um, especially if I, I listened to your podcast about people currently serving that are out as gay and I have this wild amount of respect for them because that's a whole nother I hadn't come to terms with who I was when I served my mission so that's a whole nother you know obstacle but 
yeah, it definitely um, was a special time in my life. And I'm so glad that I did it. Um, and all my friends did it. And it brought us closer together. And I'm so glad I have that experience to to share about for the rest of my life. And I currently don't live in Utah. And people are fascinated by the <laughs> fact that I lived in Russia for two years. And it's a great thing to talk about with colleagues and, and friends and coworkers and managers. And um, it just is something that's so ingrained in our culture here in Utah and in the church that we don't realize how crazy, if I can say crazy or different, that a mission is. We're so used to it here. We're so used to everyone doing it that we don't even bat an eye. But it is crazy to explain your mission to someone that has zero knowledge of the church or has only seen the Book of Mormon play or has, you know, seen jokes about Mormons on TV shows or what have you. Talk about your process to come out. If I, you know, take us back to your 22-year-old self, you're starting to date men. You may not be out to anybody except a couple of those women you're um, but you're probably, you're a pretty thoughtful, analytical guy. You're probably thinking the order of people you've got to come out to. Um, and just talk us through that journey of coming out to people and how they responded. And just that might be helpful for others that are trying to figure out how to come out. Yeah, you're spot on. I definitely thought about the... <laughs> I don't think this was like some random spontaneous thing. It was thing. not. It was very well um, thought out, which, yeah not necessarily for everyone to not, I don't necessarily recommend that for everyone, but for me, it worked. Um, yeah, my, I first came out to my closest, longest female friend, Clara. Um, Way to go, Clara. Yeah. And she, she straight up asked me, um, which again, I don't necessarily recommend that everyone does that, but her and I are so close that she knew she could. And I'm so glad she did because I didn't know how to bring it up on my own. Um, and that was, I want to say like 2019. And um, again, it was kind of that if step one of accepting who I am was disassociating myself with the church, step two was to start, you know, acknowledging that I'm gay out loud to people and to, um, to friends and family. And Clara was my, my safe space for so long. And then um, I think I came out to two or three more of my closest female friends who for years they had to deal with questions from friends and family of, are you dating Zach? When's he going to propose to you? <laughs> are you guys getting married? Um, there were a That's lot of funny. <laughs> yeah. We still get, I was at a wedding this weekend with a good friend and everyone was, everyone knew her because it was her family member getting married and they'd be like, so who's this? And I'm like, <laughs> we're not dating. And same thing happened yesterday. I was at a celebration of life and I think three times someone asked me if Clara and I were together um, and we joke that we're in love, but we're just best friends. So um, yeah, step one was, was coming out to my close female friends. And then step two for me was my family. Um, my family is pretty tight, pretty close knit or tight knit. And um, as such, I knew that I couldn't come out to one of them without offending the rest of them. Um, I knew it had to be all at once. And I was not living here at the time. I'd already moved to Minnesota. And I had reached a point where I realized 
I was dating a guy at the time and I felt like it was time for me to finally let them know. And I think they all kind of had their, their guesses about me, but, um, it was August 18th of 2021. I was actually uh, getting on a flight from Minneapolis to Salt Lake, maybe for a wedding. Don't know why, but, um, I had made a video of little notes that I'd written on a, on a notepad and I would flip to the next one, but I kind of made a joke out of it. That's just kind of who I am. But I wrote that, um, my sister, Megan and I, I wrote that her and I have always had a lot in common. We both have blonde hair and we both have some attitude, um, and like some, you know, other things that we have in common. Then I ended with that. We're both into kind of like the same type of guy. And that's how, that's how I came out to my family. So I sent him that video right before takeoff and I went on airplane mode and just kind of for that flight knew that they were probably getting that message and reacting to it with each other. I think they were actually at lunch together, a few members of my family, which I didn't know, but it worked out. Um, and I did that intentionally. I, I travel quite a bit and I, it, I, one thing I love about travel is when I'm on a plane, I can unplug from the world. And so I sent it right before taking off for that reason so that I could let them, you know, process for a little bit before I got there. But then it was important for me to be in person right after they found out so that they could ask me questions. And I think that night we either went to dinner or my mom made dinner and we sat around the table and they asked questions. And I told them I was dating someone and they asked a lot of things we've talked about today about when I knew and my mission and the church. Um, and it was a, a bonding moment, I think for my family and my family has been nothing short of amazing. And, um, I know that I'm very fortunate to have such a supportive family. Um, and I'm very close with my siblings and parents and, um, I don't take that for granted, but it's, hard not to because they've just acted like it's so normal and they just continue to treat me like their son and brother. Um, and I, I know they'll listen to this and I just want to thank them for that and express my deepest gratitude for them. Um, they don't know how, how much it means to me that they've, um, been able to treat me the same over the years, um, because not everyone has that same experience. I totally recognize that. Um, sorry, that was a, a long-winded answer and it's, it's not over yet <laughs> because the next hurdle was my friends and they were the, the scariest group to come out to, um, especially my, my straight active in the church, male jock type frat boy friends. Um, I have a lot of those and I love them to death. And I was just terrified to let them know that I was gay because I was worried that our relationship would change. and I cherished our relationships so much with each of my, each of my guy friends. Um, and they were nothing short of amazing as well. I told most of them via text, a mix of via text and in person. Um, because again, I wasn't living in the state at the time. Um, but then I, obviously I knew the next time I saw them in person that it would come up. <laughs> and so coming out is a long process. It's not a one day or a one Instagram post type of deal. I still feel like I'm coming out 
all the time and I will for the rest of my life to coworkers and new people that I meet. Um, but my friends have treated me the same. Um, they're still able to treat me just like another one of the boys and one of the bros. And it means so much to me. And that's just been the number one way I tell people that they can support me is to do just that, to treat me the exact same as you did pre me coming out. And everyone's done that. I, I can't say that I've lost a single relationship because of me coming out. That was a terrific segment. Talk, um, I want to break those into two things. I want to go yeah. back to your family. Um, I love the video ideas. You boarded that plane, turned off your phone, and recognizing they all needed to learn at the same time, even though they may have opened that video at different times. Yeah. And then um, you're all around Pam's table for dinner. Yeah. Um, and I think you've got two older brothers and a sister. Do you yep. remember things that were particularly helpful in that conversation, questions they asked, things they didn't say. It sounds like it was really positive, but it's just sort of what would, anything you can remember that was helpful or maybe something that wasn't particularly helpful for just other families and or just remember it being just a good experience. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I just would highly recommend that experience in general, just having that time in person all together we literally were sitting at the dinner table and I think we had eaten a meal and everyone was kind of making small talk and avoiding the elephant in the room. <laughs> and I think it was my older brother, Travis, who was like, all right, let's address the elephant in the room. Like, Zach, do you feel a huge sigh of relief? Um, and everyone kept asking me that if I felt a huge relief. And to be honest, I didn't um, just because I knew that that was just kind of step one. like the like I said, coming out isn't just a, a one-time thing. It really is a process. And the relief came gradually. It just wasn't, I didn't feel it right after I hit send on that video because um, I knew I had a lot of difficult conversations ahead of me. Um, now I definitely feel the relief and feel that I can just totally be myself around my, my family and friends, even more so than I was in the past. Um, but yeah, I think... What has happened to create that? Is it ongoing conversation? Do you like it when they ask questions? Um, I like your brother's lead in. Let's, you know, yeah. do you feel a relief? And yeah. Even, and just talk about this. Sometimes it comes up in families and no one talks about it. And the, the LGBTQ member of the family wants to keep the conversation, mm -hmm. but no one knows quite how to do that. So it sounds like this has been a real positive experience, but full relief wasn't, didn't happen that first conversation. Yeah. And I, I'm the type that I love when people ask me questions. Um, that day, for example, I was, I wanted to bring it up so bad. I was like, I know we got to talk about this, but I didn't know how to get the ball rolling there. <laughs> um, so I'm so glad my brother broke that ice and same with Clara years ago, who asked me point blank, if I'm gay, um, I, I think never be afraid to ask the hard questions. Maybe don't straight up ask someone if they're gay, but um, ask a question and you can always preface it by saying, you know, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, or may I ask you a few questions about your coming out or your sexuality, just like you did um, at the wedding a few weeks ago. Um, I think we had, 
yeah, I think you brought up several difficult questions and you asked them very respectfully and made sure that I was okay to talk about it. And I personally am, and I know not everyone is. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I love the questions um, because it makes me think there's sometimes things I haven't thought of. I know when we spoke at the wedding, you asked about my relationship with God and the church and um, experiences from my mission that I had maybe thought of, but not to the point where I had to articulate an answer. And so I appreciate those conversations um, because it makes me think and kind of makes me formulate a, a stance and an opinion and just adds to my story and my experience. Um, but yeah, back to my, my family roundtable that day, it, um, the, just the love and the support. I knew any question that came up, whether it was, you know, maybe borderline offensive or someone didn't know fully about what it meant that I was gay, that the questions were being asked with love. They weren't to attack me or to, you know, interrogate me by any means. Um, they truly, genuinely just wanted to understand. They wanted to understand if I was okay, if I had been, you know, suffering for years. They wanted to know if they had done anything wow. wrong or said anything wrong, which we all have. I mean, I probably used to say things that were <laughs> anti-LGBTQ um, that I regret and would never say now. Um, but so, yeah, just, I think, not being afraid to ask the questions, but just making sure that they're, they come from a place of love and um, trying to understand someone a little bit better and not for personal gain or just to, you know, check a box of, yeah, I tried to get to know him better or what have you. And sometimes there's kind of two stories or maybe, I don't know if they'd known um, before you came out as gay that you weren't participating in the church. Like, and if that had sort of already been an understood fact in the family or if both of those realities, it came at the same time. And maybe obviously more of the dots were connected at that time. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, definitely my family knew that I was kind of pulling away from the church. Um, but I think when you come out, it almost becomes easier to pull away from the church because people assume that, at least in my experience, people kind of assume that that's the reason. Like they know that you can't really fully be in it, at least for me. I know there are several, um, not several, there are lots of active members of the church that are part of the LGBTQ community, but, um, they did kind of go hand in hand. Um, in my family, there's a mix of, you know, activity levels in the church, um, from my mom, who is the most active. Um, and then the rest of us kind of, kind of vary. So my relationship with the church wasn't necessarily a super purposeful conversation with my family. Um, I think it was kind of assumed by them when I came out that I wouldn't be participating fully in, in church activities from then on out. And at the time I was dating a man and um, they were more concerned with, you know, meeting him and supporting me. Wow. And um, I think my mom asks more about my relationship with the church just because she, again, is curious and um, has that love in her heart and wants to know where I'm at just to make sure we're, we're always on the same page. Um, but yeah, I never, I, it's one thing to come out with your sexuality, but to have to also announce that you're leaving a church that you're, you've been in your whole life is a whole nother thing. And I've never had to do that. I've never had to like 
announce that I'm leaving. I'm, my records are still in the church. I haven't gone through that process and I don't intend to. Um, I just, you know, am big on one thing at a time and, you know, doing both those things at once could definitely be very overwhelming. Sometimes people talk about being intentional and, um, and going slow. And I think you've done a really good job of, of that. Um, this is a question for your mom, but she's not here. So I'll ask you, you know, parents, LDS parents that have kids that don't participate can be kind of painful for them. Um, but often they're able to sort of do things to keep the family circle together. Um, even if not everybody's participating in the church and they recognize agency of children that choose different paths and they sort of honor that they may grieve, but they do things um, that saying we're still going to be a strong family, even with these differences. Um, and I sense your mom's really good at this. Just talk, if it's okay, talk about what she does to sort of keep the family unified, even in differences. Yeah, my mom is great at that uh, because we are all different and have different beliefs. Um, but she makes it clear that she loves us no matter what, um, whether that's verbally or through her actions. Um, and when I came out, and I think even before I came out, and then now to this day, she always says that there will never be an empty seat at her table and that her family um, will come first. And she she puts her family ahead of her beliefs. And um, she would, at the drop of a hat, fly out to Minnesota if I needed her. Um, she would watch my nephews and niece, her grandkids, at the drop of a hat, even if she had other plans. Um, she's just made it so clear that her love for us is unconditional. Um, and she's the most Christ-like person that I know. Um, and to me, that is the most impactful way that a member of the church could act. Um, and the most, I don't even know the again, the most Christ-like, and that, that to me is what Christ would do. Um, make sure that there were no empty seats at the table, no matter what. Um, and you can have your own beliefs and opinions and sexuality. Um, but at the end of the day, she's my mom and always will be. And, um, she would love to be here today. She's a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, and she, she listens to the podcast. She educates herself. Um, she's gone to events and read books and she just eats it all up. She wants to, to know everything that she can, um, in order to support her son. Um, and she would do it with other things too. I mean, she'd be the first one to go to a Utah football game in a blizzard with me as well, <laughs> because she loves me and she loves the youths. Um, but you know, she just, she's just that way. She's just a mom. And I know that not everyone has a, has had that same experience. I totally acknowledge that, but, um, yeah, to her, that's how she fulfills her calling as a mother. That's a beautiful segment. And I didn't know how parents would navigate this space. We're not navigating it at our home. And, um, I think somehow in the back of my mind, was a feeling that I had to choose between my children if they were going to sort of be in a same-sex relationship or the church. And we never have said that as a church, but sometimes we create that feeling culturally. And, and I love that that's, that never bled into the culture of your family. 
Yeah, and, and that I, your mom knows she can choose the church and love the church. Exactly. And you recognize with the grace you have that it brings her value and happiness. And you don't want to change that for her by, well, I'm leaving the church, leave with me, mom. Yeah. Um, and it's just an incredible level of maturity and grace. And I also love, um, I can't remember if it was your brother or sister that, that said, tell us who you're dating. Yeah. And I think that's an appropriate question. And it just says, we want to walk with you. And if you're dating men, we want to know about that. And just like a straight kid would want to involve siblings and parents in that part of their life. And I think you make better choices um, in that world as, as you involve people that you love in your life. And they're invited at the right time to meet families and stuff like that. So that's a comment and kind of, that's two comments, but you may have some thoughts on that. Yeah, no, it's been a game changer to have the support of my family as I navigate dating because it's, it's weird because I, although I've known of this kind of attraction or piece of me for so many years, I didn't actively date men back in high school, whereas a lot of my friends, male friends were dating females and they had that experience of learning, you know, what they like and what they don't like. And it's helped them to now find eternal partners that they, most of my friends are married. Um, and for me, it felt like I was kind of starting that dating journey at the age of 24 when most people were starting that at 16. Um, so I was eight years behind. And so having my family support and having, having their guidance. And, um, I think it allowed them to get to know me better as well to kind of see the type of person that I am attracted to and want to be with. Um, and they're just, they're always eager to meet whoever it is that I want to bring around. And, um, I never have any worries about them or my friends. Um, my friends have met people too, that I've dated and, um, it's pretty remarkable to be able to do that with, you know, Republican, Mormon, straight friends and family, um, that we can just kind of look past a lot of those things. And, um, I don't think anyone ever loved me because they thought I was straight. And as such, I would expect people to treat me the exact same now that they know that I'm gay. I can't imagine anyone has written a list about anyone and said that one of the things they love about them is their sexuality. It just, it just doesn't come up, you know, it's just not a thing that should be like the, the number one thing you love about someone. You love them for their sense of humor and their drive and their intelligence and just who they are, their aura in general. Like it just, your sexuality should not, in my opinion, um, affect how much you love someone as a friend or a partner. That was off the cuff, really thoughtful. <laughs> Let's talk about your friends. I know yes. um, this group of friends and our son, Matt, kind of got connected with your, with your friends. And um, these are terrific men and you're nervous about coming out to them. And you've shared a little bit of this. Just talk more about um, the things they, and it sounds like all of them are doing a good job of supporting you. Talk, if you want to, specifically things that, um, that you could share other straight friends that uh, want to be prepared when one of their friends comes out, the things that they're doing that are helpful or any other advice you have in this space or personal experience. Yeah. My friends have been incredible. Um, I think one experience stands out for me and it was my friend, Johnny Frederick, who may or may not ever hear this. Um, 
him and I became friends later in life. He went to East, um, which is the rival. rival. You became friends with your rival? With an East High Leopard, I know. Oh my gosh. Unheard of. <laughs> um, we knew of each other in high school, like would say hi to each other, but didn't become close until we were in some accounting classes together at the U. Um, and we ended up going on a trip to Iceland together, me, him, and a couple others, and became really good friends. And I remember he was one that I was nervous to come out to um, just because he is more of your stereotypical straight Republican Mormon. Um, and I just love Johnny to death. And him and I were, were good friends at the time. So it was, it was nerve wracking. And I remember when I came out to him, he called me and he was one of the only friends that all my friends responded via text and said the nicest things. But he called me and I was just blown away. And I answered the phone and he was just like, I've been waiting. Were you for nervous for that call? Yeah. When he oh, saw yeah. it on Colorado. I was. And it was like, I think right after I texted him. Um, and I answered and he was just like, I've been waiting for that text for years. And um, it just was like, that was such a relief. Um, and him and I have continued to, to we continued our friendship. Um, after that day and he's married and has children and um we still keep in touch to this day but i don't know why that one stuck out so much he's um one of my newer friends in life um but just that support and i don't know i think it take took a lot for it honestly probably didn't take a lot for him to call me that's just the type of guy he is but um in my mind i just really respected that um, but in general, my my friends have been amazing. We haven't skipped a beat. Um, they still treat me as they always have. I'm just one of the one of the guys, one of the dudes, one of the bros. Um, going golfing with a few of my friends on Wednesday here while I'm in Utah. Um, you know, we still have the same relationship, if not stronger. And they they're learning. They continue to, you know, ask me about my dating life and, um, they've, but I mean, it's great because we can still make jokes about it. We can laugh about it. We can still call each other names and mess around. And I don't get offended. Maybe some, some people probably would be offended by a lot of our conversations, but I love it. I love just being treated like a normal part of the group. Um, and I just love that they know who I am fully now. Um, and I think it's honestly a lot, I think that I'm the person that a lot of my friends come to with things that they don't necessarily share with a lot of other people. Um, and I think a lot of that is because that they know this side of me, this vulnerable piece of me that, um, I didn't have to share necessarily with them. And so I think I have gained trust of a lot of people. And I think the same thing happens even with, with coworkers and professional relationships. When they learn this side of me, again, they don't need, have to know that I'm gay as part of our job. Um, but once they do, they're so much more comfortable to tell me about their personal life and their family and things they're going through and hardships and trials. And I love being there for them. I love being able to get the, I feel like I get the full genuine version of everyone in my in my circle and that means a lot to me because i am not a fan of superficial surface level relationships um so i feel like it's a 
a two-way street. When you're genuine and real with people, then you get the same thing in return. Uh, that was a terrific segment, Zach. Um, I wrote down full genuine version of everyone and vulnerability breeds vulnerability. Exactly. And I think we're craving for authentic connection and um, your courage to be open about who you are allows people to be open about the realities of their life. And they may just get that you can handle complicated stuff. You may not be walking their same road, yeah. but you can be a safe person. Um, Tell me what it means with this friend that called you says, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this text for years. Yeah. Um, basically, it was his way of saying he knew without me saying, without me telling him. And how did that make you feel? Because um, some people like that. Some people are that's so talk about that for you. Yeah. And a lot of people. And your closest and the woman you went out, came out to first directly asked you. Yeah. And several people in my family and, and circle of friends have said, you know, I had a feeling you may have been gay or I it's crossed my mind before others. They've been totally caught off guard by it. Um, and I think when people say like, Oh, I, I think I knew that, or I've been, I've been waiting for you to tell me. Um, it, in my mind, it kind of was like, Oh shoot. I wish I would have maybe told you earlier then. like, what was I waiting for? If all these people already knew what was I waiting for? Um, because of, you know, Johnny and that experience, if he knew years prior when we were traveling Iceland and doing all these things, um, and was treating me the way he treated me, which was a great, he treated me like a great friend. Um, then, then what was I scared of, you know? Um, but, and I've told this to my family and friends that it was never really, at least with my family, I wasn't too worried about their reaction. I knew that they would love me. It's more about me, like when I was ready to tell them. It was never a hesitation of, I, didn't, I knew my family wasn't going to exclude me. Um, and my friends, I was fearful that things would change. But again, I, I figured they would probably still love me. But it was when I was ready to tell them. And I hadn't been ready um, the years prior. So I just think that's important to remember as well, that coming out is a personal experience and journey it's going to be unique for everyone there's not a roadmap for it there's no playbook um it's different for everyone it's different timing some people are able to do it at a very young age others at a very old age some people never and it just truly depends on a person's life experience and their people around them i feel fortunate that i was able to come out at 24 part of me feels fortunate the other part feels like that was really old that I wish I would have at, at 16 when I probably knew. Um, but that's just another chapter of my book. <laughs> and um, no time is the right time, but I'm a big advocate for, you know, there's no time better than, than right now, than the present. And it only um, has allowed me to live a more genuine life and a real life. And it just is a stress relief. I have so many other stressors in, in life. I'm in mm. grad school, I'm working, I have, you know, social stress. Um, I'm stressed about the Utah Florida game on this <laughs> week. And so just being able to eliminate the stress of, oh, I wonder if people are going to find out about my sexuality. It's just so nice. Anytime you can unload some stress is a, is a great thing. Um, and now that's something I don't 
have to deal with all the time. I still deal with it when I, you know, start a new job or go to a new place. Um, it's in the back of my mind. What if this person knew Would they treat me any differently? Um, and it's, it's definitely still there. And that's what I mean when I say coming out as a process and it will be for my whole life. Um, but I would rather, I would rather be in that process than fearing it for my whole life. Another great segment up. Listeners, and I'll be interested what Zach shares about this whole business of um, if you suspect somebody's gay and they're not out or trans or bisexual or lesbian, what's your job there? And my general advice, and I wrote this in the first book, is it's their story to tell and it's your um, responsibility to get educated on the space. And and so I would generally advise the Johnny, if I've got his name right approach, Mm -hmm. that I'm just going to be Zach's friend. Exactly. And if Zach is gay, he's going to eventually tell me, and I'm going to be prepared for that conversation. And maybe John even said, I'm going to call him as soon as I get the text. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that. But I also recognized maybe the personal inspiration, that closest woman friend, I forgot her name. Clara, yeah. Who did the thing that I wouldn't generally not advise Correct. is directly confronted you. Yeah. And you said something really interesting when you talked about your sister. She maybe earned that right because she's such yeah. a dear friend and yeah. our relationship was so solid yeah, and so open and transparent that she may have earned, I don't know, earned the right is the right vocabulary, but just she acted on an impression she felt and it was okay for you to open up to her. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've known her my whole life. Um, we've been classmates since kindergarten, maybe even preschool. And so, yeah, I think you're spot on. She did earn that right. And she knew, she knew that she could ask that. Again, yeah, probably not the best way to go about it for everyone. And there's been times where with, I think with like my mom and my family and other friends where I could tell that they wanted to ask or they were ready for me to tell them or they were hinting at like, you know, this is a safe space. You can (laughs) tell me whatever you want to tell me. Um, I think there's even been times where someone, you know, in the neighborhood or the community has come out and my mom or someone would, you know, outspoken, outspokenly, is that a word? I don't yeah, know. It <laughs> is for this podcast. They, and they would be like, Oh, I, you know, totally support that. And if any of my kids are, are gay or whatever, um, they could totally tell me. And, but I just wasn't ready at the time. So yeah, it really, like you said, is just about being prepared, um, but never pressuring anyone to tell you, um, but just allowing them to be themselves, I think is the most powerful thing you can do for someone that you suspect might have, you know, something that they're not ready to fully acknowledge or express verbally. Um, just letting them be who they are and letting their personality shine. And then when they're ready, they they'll know who the, who they can come to first. Um, and it, I won't, I mean, I think it's a very tricky spot to be in, to be a friend or family member that um, suspects that someone around them is, is part of the LGBTQ plus community, but they don't know what to do with that. That's hard. And I was the one that's in the community and didn't have to deal with that. Um, so both, both situations are, are not easy. There's not a playbook. Um, but 
anytime that we can just be guided by love, I think that's the the overarching principle with the church and the LGBTQ plus community. Um, just people in general. <laughs> we just need more love. I love guided by love, Zach. Yeah. Some people have sort of been, it's been hard for them when someone comes out and someone says, well, I've always known it. It sort of invalidates their feelings. And so I've heard some stories where that's been painful to sort of, well, I've always known. And um, it sounds like, at least for Johnny, that was fine because then you could go back in your relationship, if I'm using the right name, Johnny, yeah. you could go back and say, Johnny suspected I was gay, but we, he just treated me like a bro friend in Iceland. Yeah. And he didn't get weirded out because you might be gay. Just And so maybe it's just, there's probably a lot of variance in this space. Um, it sounds like that was not painful for you, for Johnny to say that to you. Correct. And I, I for me, it wasn't painful because that is who I am. I am gay. And if they knew that That's years in advance, then then kudos to them. <laughs> they, maybe they knew before I did. Um, and I don't think that my sexuality is a pain point for me. It's something I... Wow. Am pr- I'm, yeah, I, I, I struggle with the word proud of being gay because I'm not sure if you are proud to be straight. Like, <laughs> I think it's something that can be kind of odd to be proud of for me personally. Um, but I'm proud that I'm able to live authentically and live a genuine life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's a, maybe a word of advice for people as well, though, is if someone comes out to you, maybe don't feel like it's a competition to be the one that did know. Yeah. It's not. But that makes it about the person, not, exactly. the, not you. It's not a competition of who knew the longest. Um, that no one's getting any, any points for that. Um, for me, it, it didn't bug me if someone said that, but I haven't been keeping track of, oh, this person says they knew since I was 20, and this person says they knew since I was 18. Um, it's not a competition and you can express to someone that um, they thought they knew for a while. For me, it was kind of validating. I was like, okay, yeah, they, they've known this about me. Um, and I mean, I knew my sexuality by the time I was coming out to people, but it was, it was validating to know that people had known for a while and they were still treating me the way that I wanted to be treated. Um, it's almost harder for me when someone is completely caught off guard because it seems like they're going to have to process this and decide if they're going to treat me the same, um, which everyone, I mean, I, I definitely am, I want to allow people that space and time to process that information if they need it. Um, I realize it can be kind of a, a bomb, so to speak, um, for some people if they truly didn't think it. Um, but kind of like you mentioned earlier, like if it's that much of a, a shock for you, like imagine what it's like for me, you know, to, to live like this my, my whole life. Um, so again, it's not about you, the person that's being um, entrusted with this information. It is still about the person that is sharing this information. And let's, let's keep it that way. I like that because sometimes we take pride in you know, being the first to know and we yeah. make it about ourselves or we said, I always suspected. And I think to your point, that shifts the conversation away from you. And it's your time for us to sort of ask the questions your families did around Pam's table. Yeah, um, I like being proud. I think pride is a sticky word in LDS yeah. culture, but 
one church leader talked about um, appropriate being proud is just being your personal best. It's not comparative in nature, which is where pride, I think, gets in trouble. It's just, uh, it's the pride of self-respect and Zach Tucker being the very best Zach Tucker he can be. Right. And I think part of this is owning your sexual orientation. Exactly. And so I like that you're proud of who Zach Tucker is. And to me, that's just, you know, to me, that's a good thing. Yeah. And I, I think that's spot on. I'm proud to be who I am. Uh, being gay is a, a piece of me, but it's not all of me. Um, you know, it, when I'm no longer here, I don't want to be remembered solely from being gay. I want to be remembered for so many other things, for how I treated people, for how I made them feel, for my funny jokes, for, you know, there's so many other attributes that I hope people um, experience when they come into contact with me, in addition to just my sexuality. So, yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on there. Um, that being proud is really just being proud of who you are. And I think that's what Pride and Pride Month and, and all those things really are about, is just being yourself. and no matter who that is, whether you're part of the LGBTQ community or not, um, just being who you are and being proud of it. Um, you know, I'm, I know some of your friends. One of your friends is my son, Matt, who I think um, is really good in this space. And I just recognize that I couldn't have done what your friends are doing. And it makes me happy for the progress we're making in society. And I think you and Matt even traded texts about theoretically rooming together in yeah. New York. And what I know about Matt is that would be awesome. He would love to have you as a roommate. Yeah, that's what's great about about my friends. I don't think I've seen Matt in probably five plus years. And today I texted him and said, hey, I don't even know if this is your number still, but <laughs> I'm headed to your parents' house. I'm going on your dad's podcast. Um, and he responded and was like, brother. And he was like, what are you doing? Where are you living? And I told him that I'm exploring job opportunities in New York, which is where he currently lives. And he immediately was like, come be my roommate. And his next text was, I'm dead serious. So he was like, after all these years. And so it's just awesome with um, a lot of, a lot of those guys, we may not see each other all the time anymore. And we're all kind of spread spread out across the country. But when we are together, it's like, we never, never skipped a beat. And um, we just pick up right where we left off. And that's also something that I just cherish so much um, is being a part of those relationships where you just feel the love. Even, even though I haven't seen Matt in five years and he's across the country, um, you just feel it even, even via text. Um, at that wedding, I referenced that we were at Charles and Danae's wedding, um, just a beautiful evening in Midway. Just a, and it was great to catch up with you there. And as, as my wife and I left, I just glanced on my shoulder. My last image was um, the table where just the younger people were. And you were sitting by Hannes. And you were just, I, I just looked at the communication between you and how natural it was for the two of you just to be catching up and be comfortable with each other. And I just was grateful for where we are as a society, not everywhere, but particularly your age group and just loving people, genuine love, guided by love to use your language. And I just thought, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the Jesus I know from the New Testament that is guided by love and teaches love and 
helps people love themselves and love each other and gives grace for others as they're walking their unique roads. And, and I just, that kind of image just got seared in my brain, just how comfortable you were with each other. And everybody at that table probably was walking different paths, but they came together in that beautiful day to honor Danae and Charles and, and love and support each other. Yeah, it was definitely a night full of love, um, which weddings usually are, hopefully. But yeah, with with Hannes and and my friends, um, it is such a safe space. We all feel so comfortable around each other. And again, I think it is because we are all we've all shared vulnerable pieces of our lives, and so we all feel like we can just be our our full, authentic selves. Um, that night, Hannes and I took a picture of him kissing me on the cheek, which <laughs> I don't think most straight guys would be kissing their openly gay friend on the cheek out of fear that people might think he's gay, you know, as if that's a bad thing. <laughs> as if that's a bad thing. Right. Good point. Which it's not. And he's not. He's, as far as I know, straight. Um, but he just, I don't know. Most of my guy friends don't care. And um, I just think that that fear of being associated at, with the, the LGBTQ plus community is so mind boggling to me. I like, you know, it's not a bad thing. And, um, honestly, I think the more supportive you are is more affirming of your straightness or whatever sexuality you identify with. Um, if you can just support people and love people for who they are, that really shouldn't reflect anything on you other than that. You're just a good person and that you're comfortable with who you are. You're so comfortable with who you are that you can support people for who they are. Um, and I think the most confident people are the most supportive. One of the things listeners is, you know, I talk about gaydar sometimes. I don't know if it's a real word, but I don't have, you know, I thought I had good gaydar because I kind of had a stereotype of who fit that category. But the longer I've been in the space, my gaydar is terrible. <laughs> and you don't really, you know, you're just one of the many people I've met that doesn't really fit the stereotype. And I didn't, I obviously am not your close friend to spend a lot of time with you, but I didn't ever suspect you were gay. Um, and, and just because I don't know why. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's part of, you know, you're a finance major, you're into sports, yeah. you love the youth. So some yeah. of that stereotype of the careers gay people choose and their interests and some of that may be true for some, but I invite listeners just to have a broader perspective of LGBT people. They're in all walks of life and all professions and all interests. And some of them really like sports and some of them play sports. And we have an openly gay NFL football player, I think right now. And so any, any thoughts on that? And I'll ask you another question. Absolutely. Um, and that was one of the challenges for me because I, my therapist calls me a, a straight presenting gay man. Um, that, you know, yeah, if you come in contact with me, typically you know, if I go get a haircut, the person cutting my hair is going to be asking me about the girls that I'm dating or if I'm married to a woman. And I don't take offense to that because, you know, people are just genuinely asking and they're, they're doing their best to just make conversation. Um, but it is a little tricky because I think I don't fit those stereotypes. So it can be a little more complicated to come out. Um, whereas for others, it's, it's, they maybe fit that stereotype a little bit more. And so it's less surprising for people. Um, but yeah, I just would reiterate what you said that, that queer people come from all walks of life. I've, and unfortunately a lot of them don't feel like they'll ever be able to come out and express that. And that's, that's, you know, in and out of the church I've dated 
guys that play football on the collegiate level that have nothing to do with the church or the state of Utah for that matter. Um, but they feel like they'll never be able to come out because of, you know, that culture um, and the whole sp- sports world isn't the, isn't the most, you know, open to those things. I wish there wasn't just one openly gay NFL player because I know that there are several more, um, but there's only one that's, you know, brave enough to be open about it. So hopefully we'll get there in the sports world. Um, but yeah, I just, I think would always be mindful that, yeah, there are, there are gay and queer people all around. There are queer football players and queer people in the military and queer people that work in finance, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and diehard football fans and queer people in the, in the LDS church. Um, they're everywhere. So just being mindful of that in conversation and just trying to avoid anything that might make someone uncomfortable when asking about their, their dating life or their personal life. I've got a question for you, but just things you'd like to share that we haven't gotten to. Oh, I think just gratitude for, for you and for your family and for this podcast, because this is where it starts. This is everyone not everyone, but most people that I know have a desire to advance the LGBTQ plus community and they want to love them and listen and, and learn, um, ironically, the, the name of this podcast, Listen, Learn, and Love, but they don't know how. And so I just appreciate your actions and the actions really of, of everyone that is trying to, to learn more and express their love and actually make an impact Granted, I do want to say that it doesn't take a podcast or, or writing books as you have to make a difference. That's one way. And that's, I think, in line with your gifts. Um, but for someone else, it could just be loving their best friend or loving their, their son or um, just being there when someone's ready to come out to them. Um, so it really depends on the person, depends on their gifts, depends on what they're, what they're good at. Um, but yeah, I'm just so appreciative of, of you and your family and the love that I've felt from you and in this home, um, lots of great memories here and with your family, most of which have been spiritual. And so to be here now in this setting is just, it's a full circle moment. I think I remember when you first started this podcast, I thought like, if I could only get to the point where I'm comfortable enough to have this conversation with Papa Osler, wow. um, like that'll be the day. And here I am. And like, I don't know, I feel like I'm still the same person I was back then, but um, it just is a, a full circle moment for me. So thank you. It's really cool. It is a full circle moment. Um, it got a great heart. I want to talk about that at the end. Um, talk about you know, listeners, I've asked Zach ahead of time, kind of, if he's okay talking about this, but, you know, pragmatically, people separate themselves from the church. Um, and that's just the reality of mortality. And I've tried to reduce divisiveness and honor people's journey, but there's this kind of a desire in my heart to keep people connected with God. And often that can be a challenge because there's such a strong connect link between God and the LDS church. Um, that it takes some, and some people sort of separate themselves from both. Some are able to separate themselves from the church, but then develop a relationship with God sort of separate from the church. And, and 
yeah, that seemed, I, I like that because I like God's um, role in people's lives in or out of the church. I mean, obviously God's involved in people's lives, the 99% of the population that's not Latter-day Saint. So I don't know if you want to talk about your own journey there. Um, I don't think you're at the finish line, what you've told me, but do you want to share kind of where you are? And, you know, it's a tender question, so you can, you're good about handling tough questions. Yeah. No, my relationship with God is, is definitely tricky. Um, I believe in God, but kind of like you mentioned, my whole belief system and relationship with God is intertwined with the LDS church. That's the only original religion I've ever belonged to. That's where I learned about God. Um, when I taught about God on my mission, it was with a name tag on my chest with the LDS church's name on it. And so it's tricky um, when the church, the church has done a great job of supporting the LGBTQ plus community in, in recent years with, with laws and bills, but, you know, doctrine of the church is still emphasized regularly that, you know, a family and marriage is, should be traditional, one man, one woman. Um, and so disassociating the two, God and, and the church is difficult for me. Um, because when I think of God and, and when I pray, um, just all those feelings and the association with the church is just, it's just intertwined. And I've had to unlearn a lot of things. I, for example, have coffee every morning and my upbringing told me that that was not okay. And for a long time, I would feel that subconscious guilt and I don't anymore. I loved my Starbucks this morning, but <laughs> with God, it's just, it's still that, that intertwinement again, don't know if that's a word, but, um, and oftentimes when I pray, I pray in Russian because that's my mission language and it's a holy language for me. And then again, like my mission was with the church and that's all intertwined. And so I don't want to call it unlearning, but it is kind of an at, you have to consciously separate, um, because my lifestyle of dating men and hopefully marrying a man, um, do not align with what the church teaches. But the number one thing we taught on my mission before getting into the first vision or Joseph Smith or the Book of Mormon was that God is our loving Heavenly Father. And that's regardless of your religious beliefs or if you're Russian or American or Ukrainian or whatever. Um, and so that's what I find myself trying to teach myself is that God is my loving Heavenly Father no matter what. Um, and for example, when we prayed before this podcast, you mentioned you prayed that I may find a husband. And I just, that like was so touching to me. Um, but if I personally prayed for that, I would feel weird. I would like, just because I know that according to the church's stance and doctrine that I, I shouldn't be marrying a man. So it's a, an interesting complex relationship. And I want to get to a point where I just feel like God loves me for who I am and loves whoever I end up with. Um, but it's a process and yeah, I'm not at the end of the road. Um, I try to maintain that relationship, try to keep that open communication with God, but it's tricky just because of all that, all of that belief and years of history of my life are just so intertwined with the church. Um, and that said, I don't want to 
talk poorly on the church and I don't have adverse feelings towards the church. Um, but it's just a complex situation when you're gay and a baptized Mormon. It's a terrific segment again, Zach. You're so mature for your years and so thoughtful and so measured. And um, yeah, the God, you know, when listeners, when I meet with someone that's clearly separating themselves from the church and is clearly on the path to same-sex marriage, this is the kind of conversation I'll have kind of off the record is, you know, sort of, you know, what's your relation with God? And is it possible to, as you're in this deconstruction stage, to reconstruct as you're going forward and have a relationship with God? Because the God I believe in loves Zach Tucker and wants to be involved in his life. And if, the God I believe in, if Zach Tucker's self-determines that his best path forward is to find a husband, the God I believe in will help him do that. And that's, yeah, we all know that's out of our doctrine, but the God I believe in would want to walk with Zach as he um, lives his personal best life and want to help him. And that's just complicated. Um, and I'm not being prescriptive to Zach, like talking to Zach here, you've got to get a relation with God. I'm just sharing with you what I would share. And maybe some of you are having these same conversations with your kids or friends. And that's sort of the way I frame up this because I believe God's love Zach Tucker. And I believe if you were here and can't quite do that, <laughs> um, he would start with all the people you've blessed. He would name people in Russia who are better off because of you and their lives are forever changed. He would talk about people in high school that you were friends with. You would talk about this big heart. And that's the thing I learned about you um, through Matt and Hannes is just you love people and people love Zach Tucker. And that section of Preach My Gospel about developing Christ-like attributes, you have a lot of those, Zach, and I think they'll continue to grow and you'll continue to bless people. That same chair you're sitting in in this, our corner of our room here, listeners, thinking of full circles, the same chair that Hannes was sitting in as a non-member when we invited him to be baptized. And I think you probably knew Hannes at that point yeah. before he joined the church. And we're one of the friends that were great examples to him to bring in the church. And so full circle is good visual imagery for this room and your relationship with our family. And you're, you're very kind, but I, I also mourn, Zach, there's not a place for you in our church if you feel your best path forward is to find a husband. And I just mourn because we're, we're worse off without you. And all the things you've done to strengthen people in our church and bring goodness in our church, that's not going to always attend church, but to fully participate and fully use your gifts to build Zion is sort of off the table. And I, so I mourn that our church is worse off without you. And I mourn that there's not a place for you in the church. And I, and so it doesn't mean listeners that I don't support leaders or doctrine, but I just don't feel we're at the finish line in this space. And I just mourn on the reality of your life and where we are as a church. And I sit with all those paradoxes, maybe like others do, and just say, my job is to do just the words you said is to be guided by love. Um, we're kind of coming to the end. That's all I've got on my notes, but do you have more thoughts you'd like to share? I just, I love what you just said. Um, and I, I feel of your genuine 
I feel that what you're saying is is genuine and real and that that morning and I think that that shouldn't go without acknowledgement and I think that sometimes that's all we can do is mourn mourn with those who mourn and I mean that's scriptural in and of itself um granted it can be hard when it can be it can feel helpless and hopeless when you feel like all you can do is mourn, but um, there is great value in that. Just acknowledging that right now, maybe all we can do is mourn, but then we can also take action tomorrow and we can, you know, better our community. Whether or not I there's a spot for me in the church, we can continue to just have these conversations and be disciples of Christ and. I just think, I don't know, I'm such a big proponent of leading by example, and that's no matter who you are or what faith you belong to, um, or political party, or or state, or sports team, um, just leading by example, and anyone can do that, right? Um, you never know who's watching, and we used to be, that was something that was to- told to us all the time on our mission, um, when we were dressed in missionary attire and, and wearing a name tag, people were watching how we were acting and our just overall countenance and um, our behaviors. But I think that's even outside of a mission. People are watching you. They're watching me. Um, And you can have an effect on someone's whole day without even knowing it. And so I just think that there's, there's so much work to be done. Like you said, we're not at the finish line. Um, But just remembering that no matter what, organization you belong to or or work that you do professionally um again just to have your days be guided by love and service and um doing good unto others regardless of anything thank you zach tucker you're a good man thank you papa osler and it's an honor you're your friend your family's friends and it's just an honor to have you on the podcast and to share your story and your story will help so many so zach tucker and papa osler signing off on another episode of listen learn and love Mm -hmm.